0: Coming to the United States as an immigrant means that I came to have a better life. And when I talk to other Latinos, most of them come rooted with this idea that they're here because they want a better life and they're figuring out how to get that. There's also this idea of working hard, often harder than everyone else around you or anyone else in the room, which is good and bad, you know, it has its pros and cons. But it really resonates with me, this idea that you have to work hard for what you want. There's also this idea of fighting for what is good and right, right? I think as an underrepresented group in this country, you often have to elevate your voice and fight for what you think is right. Some examples that I faced are instances where I have not had equal pay or instances where I need to fight to be in the room to make decisions because I'm naturally not included. Welcome to Latinx in Power, a podcast
1: hosted by Thaisa Fernández. Welcome to the Latin Acting Power. Today we are talking with Valerie Angelcos. Valerie moved to the United States with her family and the dream of working in technology and marketing. Since then, she's successfully graduated from a top ten MBA Chicago Booth and joined and left Google. And now she's the VP of Product Market at Holly. Welcome
0: to the Latin Acting Power, Valerie. Thanks so much. Thaisa, I'm really excited to be here and can't wait to chat with you and tell you a little bit about my story. Amazing, I'm super excited. So in this episode, we'll talk more about Valerie's stories that
1: combines perseverance, taking risks, the importance and value of a couple's teamwork to open more opportunities to the family. I'm very, very excited about that.
0: And my favorite question, what does it mean to be a Latina for you? So for me, being a Latina, is being part of a larger community that is rooted in a very strong culture. And the way I define it is that we are a complex mix of races, traditions, and experiences. And we care for our people and we work tirelessly to do what must be done to help each other. And those are really the values that I identify with and why I'm always very proud to say that I am Latina everywhere I go or to everyone I meet here in the United States. But what's interesting is that before coming to the United States, My identity was really rooted on being a Panamanian. I am from Panama. I was born and raised there. I love my country. I've always been proud of it. And I continue to be very proud of it everywhere I go and represented Panama just everywhere I go. But when I came to the U.S., it's the first time that I felt othered or that I felt like I didn't belong. And it was very hard to find communities of Panamanians here because we're such a small country. We're not a lot that are abroad. So I realized that I needed to just become part of a larger community. And naturally, I was attracted to the broader Latino community that I found at business school at Booth and then at Google, which really helped me gain a sense of belonging and finding kind of a home where I could feel safe and where I felt heard. So I naturally gravitated toward these groups. And since I moved to the States, I've always tried to find that Latino pod that I can be part of, whether that's at work or in my personal life, or in business school, like I really force myself to find those communities. So I always feel that I have someone that I can rely on, because ultimately, we moved to the United States alone as a family. So we don't have family close by. And we have made friends. But of course, we don't have, you know, that strong ecosystem that we would have back home at Panama. Beyond physically being part of this community, I feel that I share a lot of the values that I think this community represents. So for example, coming to the United States as an immigrant means that I came to have a better life. And when I talk to other Latinos, most of them come rooted with this idea that they're here because they want a better life and they're figuring out how to get that. There's also this idea of working hard, often harder than everyone else around you or anyone else in the room, which is good and bad, you know, it has its pros and cons. But it really resonates with me, this idea that you have to work hard for what you want. There's also this idea of fighting for what is good and right, right? I think as an underrepresented group in this country, you often have to elevate your voice and fight for what you think is right. Some examples that I faced are instances where I have not had equal pay or instances where I need to fight to be in the room to make decisions because I'm naturally not included. So these little things, I think, ladder up to this idea that I continue to fight for what is good and right. And then the last two, one is taking care of your loved ones. I didn't come to this country alone. I came with my family. And for me, first and foremost, is the idea that we as a community need to take care of others. And the last, which is the most fun one, but I do think it represents my identity, is this idea that our culture is rooted in music and food and just the idea of being together. And I think that is very powerful and that helps me continue to feel like I belong to a space, even though I'm not in my home country anymore.
1: Incredible. You've touched a lot of really important things. I think for me, I see myself on those process. At least for me, it was a process, right? Coming to the U.S. nine years ago, feeling alone, feeling, oh, I'm the only one or part of one of the, one of the fields. And like building my career from scratch, but at the same time, not having someone that I could feel inspired and then finding the Latinx community in my case was specifically the Latinas in tech community and thinking I want to be like her she's succeeding she's in a big tech she's doing whatever that I want to accomplish as well I want to learn with her and I think it was a process where feeling alone finding your community and then feeling strong enough where I could fight for things that I believe that I needed to fight, equal pay or discrimination or seeing someone out there not having a voice and trying to advocate for the other person. But I think it was a process where maybe you're like gaining gaining power and having your community and then you can uh, do the things that are important to you. But I, I love everything you said.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. I totally resonate with that. I agree that it is a journey. And I think the interesting thing is that I did come here with my family, right? So I wasn't completely alone, but it doesn't change the fact that even as a family, we felt we only had each other and we had no one else. So I think this idea of community, regardless if you're alone, if you come with a partner, if you come with kids, continues to resonate as an immigrant in the United States, because you're only going to thrive if you feel you belong somewhere. And you feel you can rely on others. And I think that's a learning that I've had the last seven or eight years that I've been here in the United States that it's very hard to do things alone. And I think that Latinx that community just brings that special place where you can feel supported and you feel you can achieve more and you can feel inspired by other people yeah. 100% yeah. agree on what you just said
1: yeah totally and I love this feeling that we have with family but I, I try to build with my friends as well like be able to go to your friend's house and kind of know where the things are you know if you're hungry you know where you can find food you're comfortable doing so or like helping them And I love this feeling. I was talking with some friends because I have a dog and most of my friends have uh, dogs or cats. And then we were joking, oh, we need to make sure our pets are friends as well because they are family, you know? And sometimes you have that family member that you don't like that much, but you need you be able to be together in the same room, or room or maybe you love them and you're like joking <laughs> about it as well so i love this familiarity and it comes with time and it's a lot of work as well right i think you yes. need to prioritize those things
0: yes a hundred percent and i think um one of the things that really helped me so i went to business school first i spent two years there and then i moved to the bay area to come to google And one thing that really helped me settle was that there were a lot of my business school friends that moved to the Bay Area too, specifically a group of Latinos from Peru and Colombia and Spain, which eventually became my best friends here. And that community was very strong for me. We met each other every weekend. To your point, like we could visit each other's houses and like eat anything, help with anything. Then people started having kids. We started taking care of each other's kids. So like it started growing as almost this idea of an extended family, which I think is super powerful. And to be honest, it's like what has helped me feel comfortable where I am right now, like that group and other groups. So that group specifically felt like that extended family that I needed here in case I had any problems or I just wanted to be with someone you know, and, and I felt very connected to them. And to this day, I still do. They don't live here. Most of them don't live here anymore, but we figure out ways to connect with each other. We visit each other, etc. But that was very critical for us to feel at home. I love that. That's amazing.
1: And how did everything start? Can you yes. give us an overview about your life and career?
0: Yes, so as I mentioned, I am originally from Panama. I was born and raised there. My parents are also from Panama. So my second last name is Quintero. My first last name is Greek because a part of my family came from Greece and migrated to Panama. But I really identify with my Panamanian self, as I mentioned in the beginning, versus like my Greek self. I think I'm purely Panamanian and I just have roots from other places. And I grew up there and early in my life, I discovered dancing. So I danced probably since I was 12 years old in a, I call it like semi-professional dancing group. So we did a lot of work with brands and we did music shows and concerts and TV shows. And we were kind of that dance group that you always saw everywhere and everyone knew us. And that was also my first job. So I started earning money by dancing and it really gave me a lot of independence and this idea that I wanted to be financially independent and figure out how to support myself very early. And then, you know, I wanted to pursue a career in dance, but it was very hard for me to do that in such a small country with no resources. So I knew that that wasn't going to be my end goal, but I still did it almost as a hobby. And then I studied at college industrial engineering. And very early during that journey, we actually had a few corporations come into our college to recruit people. So Procter & Gamble was, I believe, one of the first ones that came to our college with their popular tests that, you know, tested a bunch of cognitive ability and math and stats and language, et cetera. And I did the test basically just for fun and to see if I could pass it. You know, it was more of a, hey, I want to like prove myself that I'm good enough to do this. And I passed the test and then I passed a few interviews and I got a job there. So I started working at Procter & Gamble when I was 19. So I really started this corporate career very early, which was, again, a good and a bad thing. I think I could have waited more, but I did learn a lot. So I started at PNG. I spent a few years there, and then I really wanted to switch into a less structured company and to pursue a marketing career because I did start in finance. And I moved to L'Oreal after those two years, and I spent about five or six years at L'Oreal doing brand management for a few brands in the skincare space, for example, Vichy and La Roche-Posay for various countries in Latin America. So it was really my school on marketing, on brand management, on just managing business. I dealt with distributors and retailers and people all over Latin America. So it was really a great learning opportunity. But during this time, there's a few things that happened. The first is that my boyfriend, who I had met at Procter & Gamble, got sick. He actually had cancer. So that was very eye-opening for me because I was very young. He was also very young. It was a very specific type of cancer that white young male people get. So we had to go through this experience of chemo's and all the treatments and then therapy and all these things that really brought us together but made me realize that it's really important to take care of your loved ones and this idea that is rooted on how important family is and friends are and that that nucleus of people needs to be very stable for you to be able to thrive in any other thing you have in life so that happened and then a few other things at work happened where I was Facing a lot of situations of discrimination and sexism, and I really felt very limited in what I could do in my career in that job. But then when I was exploring what else I could do, I realized after the cancer and after all these situations at work, that what really made me feel limited was living in Panama. I felt that it's a very small country that is not necessarily based on merit or hard work. There's a lot of assumptions made of you based on where you're from, what's your last name, who do you know, what school you went to. And I really wanted to move to a place where I felt my opportunities were bigger and I could thrive based on my merit and not all these things that I just mentioned. So that's when we made the decision that we really wanted to move to the United States. And I wanted to do that through business school because I felt that was a good way to land and have a community and then elevate myself to find that job that I wanted, which was doing marketing and tech. But in the middle of this, I got pregnant. And during my husband's cancer treatments, they said he couldn't have kids. So when I got pregnant and we had these discussions, we said, "Okay, we're going to have this baby because maybe it's the only time where we could have kids. Right. So we decided to pursue this, even though we were very young and we knew that it was going to disrupt this plan that we had to move to the United States. But eventually what we did is that we just moved everything one year after I applied again to business schools. Once I had my daughter Emma, and then I got accepted, and then we decided to move to the States in 2015. So the three of us went to Chicago. I went to go to business school. My husband started his own business. And, you know, my daughter went to daycare because that's what needed to happen in order for us to be able to do what we needed to do in the United States. So that process was very interesting. Obviously, it had its As I mentioned, it's ups and downs. It wasn't easy, but I did feel that I have, I had encouragement from my parents. I had encouragement from my friends. A lot of people were skeptical, I have to say, because, you know, it's very hard to move to another country when you are 25 and have a one-year-old and basically no money. So obviously it was a process, but I feel very proud of what we achieved. And I think it was the right choice. Like we needed to do that. It really opened up opportunities for us And even our daughter now, who is now eight, and it was the right move. And I think, you know, I think in life, you have to figure out when you need to make those transitions. And even though it's hard, and sometimes you don't know what's going to be the outcome of this, you need to figure out how to take risks. And I feel that because I went through business school, it was more of a controlled risk. Like we knew what were the outcomes. We knew what types of job I could get, what technically I could earn. So we have some idea of what could have happened, and I think that made us comfortable to make that job as a family.
1: Yeah, I love that you mentioned that it was a control risk, so everything was very well planned and strategized, and you both were okay with the risk, but it was something that suddenly you decided to do. And I love that you said that, because at least when I moved to the U.S., I think I don't know, maybe us as humans, we tend to like those magical stories, right? Oh, someone moved to the United States, they didn't speak a word of English, and they find someone on this job learning English, they are very happy. And I think I got attached to those magical stories. We had a plan, we were strategic, but then I think I didn't have, A lot of like stories in my backlog, maybe of folks who are like, no, I planned that I was okay with the risk and I have this plan A, B or C and it wasn't easy. It was actually very hard, but we made it and we are really happy now. So I love that when people share those like real stories, I know that the magical ones they happen, but it's not the majority in there, especially now. I think maybe they're not not happening at all.
0: (laughs) I know. And I think like you have access to information, right? So like, if you have access to information, and you can make a plan, and many to your point, we had plan A, B, C, D, E, F, anything, I think there is a better chance that things just happen the way you want them. And of course, like during this process, you know, there were things that we miscalculated. For example, I didn't calculate properly what taxes were in California. (laughs) So when I moved to California, the idea was that I was gonna, you know, pursue my job at Google, and my husband wanted to continue in his startup. And then I got my first paycheck, and I was like, "Wait, this is not enough for me to pay for our whole family. So we need to revisit this idea of the startup because we actually need two incomes. And it sounds very dumb now, but at that point in time, we had limited information. We didn't know people. I don't have a network here. So obviously, when we got my first paycheck, we were like, "Oh." You know, we miscalculated this, this really changed our plans. And it doesn't mean that our end goal won't be the same end goal. But I think we had to shift our approach back then to figure out something that worked for us as people that have career goals and us as a family, because we still had to pay for the bills. So there's always things like that. But I do think my approach is generally like, we need a plan. We need to figure out where we want to go. And then we figure out how to get there. And that's how I've approached, obviously work, but like my personal life too. And at least it gives me more peace of mind that I can control a little bit more what's going to happen. I know some people love to just like go with the flow and we'll see what happens. I'm less of that person because I like to have a little bit more control, but I think so far it has helped me. We'll see what happens next. But so far, I think it has helped me get to where I want. I'm um, feel I'm terrified of those people who just follow the flow. Like I have a plan A, B,
1: C, D. <laughs> And yeah, even if we didn't have a plan, I think, yeah, to your point, you have a surprise. I remember that when I moved, I was very lucky to come with a visa and I applied for my permission to work. And I think the timing that they shared was two months. And then it took me almost four months to get mine, which means that I couldn't like, work for four months because i didn't have those permissions to work and i think now it's even longer so yeah, it's important to have those calculated risks and to the point of like living in the united states did you always wanted to live abroad or it was something that you find out after a while
0: so that's an interesting question because the story of how i got to the u.s too is that when panama So Panama has the Panama Canal, obviously, and the U.S. owned the Panama Canal until 1999. So the U.S. had a presence in our country. They had a piece of land they called the Canal Zone, which was basically owned and operated by the United States. That's how I define it. And what happened here is that my grandfather, for reasons I don't know, decided to join the army when they had a base in that Canal Zone, which gave him citizenship. So my grandfather basically gave us green cards. That's how the idea of coming to the States started, because I had sort of this tool to my advantage that, you know, a lot of people are fighting to get. And I was like, okay, I have this. What do I do with this? And my mom was always pushing me to figure out how to come. We had an idea to come when I was in college, but we didn't have enough money to pay for college here. And I didn't understand the concept of student loans back then, to be honest. So if I had, maybe I had moved earlier. But back then we said, okay, it's really tough financially for us to do this. Why don't you continue your career here in Panama and then we'll figure out how you get there? So there was always this seed planted on me that I knew that long term I wanted to be in the United States. But I was trying to figure out what was a smart way to do it because I didn't want a huge student debt, although I then got it through business school. But I didn't want it that early in my life. I wanted to figure out how to move in a way where I felt safe. And I felt part of a community and I didn't feel completely alone. So I waited a little bit. But to your question, it was always something I wanted. I think I was just trying to figure out the how. And the reason why I wanted it is because I wanted to expand the way I thought about things. I wanted to meet new people. I wanted the challenge of living in another country alone. Like the reason why many people decide to go somewhere else, it's pretty much the same. But I think once I had Emma, my daughter, it became a little bit different because now it wasn't just about exploring and, oh, I think I could have a better life there. or I want to earn more money. It was really about how do we all get better opportunities? And we really think that's the first step to get better opportunities. And maybe we'll end up in another country. Who knows? But We do feel that what we're getting here is much better than what we could have gotten back home.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. And which advice would you give to your younger self?
0: Yeah, so there's a few things that I have thought about here. I think the first one is this idea that there's no need to rush. So I mentioned that my first job was when I was 19. And then I kind of hustled since then, and I have not stopped. And while it gives me some advantages, and I have learned a lot very early in my life, I also had a kid very young, so I kind of lived life quickly. That's how I would describe it. I think now I'm at a place where what I want is balance. What I want is to be able to experience and enjoy both my career and my personal life. And I think I would have had more of that earlier in my life if I had decided not to rush. So that's the first one Like you don't need to be, you know, some people come here and say, I want to be CEO when I'm 30 and all these like phrases that are tied with age. I think now that I'm older, I realize that everyone has their own path. Nothing is tied to any age and like you can feel comfortable doing whatever you want at any point in your life. And I didn't really get that when I was young, which is why I rushed everything. So that is one. The other one is that I personally did not have like a great self-esteem growing up. You know, I wasn't very confident about my ability to do things, although I was always like good at school, good at dancing, good at college. Like I had all those check marks. But for some reason, maybe the way I was brought up or like my environment, I wasn't very confident in my ability to do things. And I think what I would tell myself is that you need to trust yourself and know that you can achieve what you want to do if you are determined and you work hard and you know how to move around problems. I knew I could do that, but I never felt confident. And I almost always felt that I needed to be validated by a third person to feel confident in my ability to do this. But I think now that I'm a different stage in life, I realized that I always could do this, but I just needed to trust myself and like convince myself without needing this like third party validation that we often need. And then related to that, that I did a lot of what I did in the beginning of my career alone. So I pushed to get that first job alone. I pushed to get the second job alone. I always felt everything needed to be done by myself. So what I would tell my younger self would be to rely on others more because there's no problem on asking for help. You need your community. As I mentioned before, you need people that support you. You need to talk to others. When you talk to others, you have better ideas. Other things come to your brain on how you can do things that there's just better output. And I don't think I was very reliant on others early enough. I think I (laughs) assumed that if I didn't do it alone, it wasn't good enough, or I wasn't going to be successful. And it was all on me. And that is not the approach. And then the last thing I would say is, when my husband got sick, or my boyfriend, who is now my husband, and, and through this time that I've had a lot of challenges with family and friends, I, I realized too, that I centered myself around my professional self too much. And that I think family and friends are really the core of everything. And you can have the best job in the world, but like if you're not with the people you love, it doesn't matter. So that is another thing that I would have changed, how to incorporate that idea that your family is a priority and your friends are a priority in tandem with your work. I think you can have both early on. So you can have this sense of balance that I mentioned at the beginning that I'm, now I'm trying to get which I could have gotten earlier if I had had that approach. So those are a few things that I would tell. Yeah, myself.
1: incredible. I love those exercises of thinking about what you, would you say to your younger self? And I think it's a good reflection to make. I can resonate a lot with a lot of things you said. And I think some of them come with mat- maturity, right? Or maybe yeah. it's also the way we are raised. We are raised in the sense that, oh, you need to accomplish certain things and at certain ages if you don't do it, you're like late or whatever. And I think like maybe, I don't know, my experience, like coming here, I met a lot of very, very smart people with a lot of privilege as well. who we studied studying all those fancy schools, did those amazing things, had these incredible hobbies. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't do anything like that. You know, they're like incredible professionally and they have a hobby and they are like Iron Man or Iron Woman and they want something. And I was
0: like, A hundred percent. When I went to business school, those are the type of people that I met too. I couldn't just believe that a human could do all things, all of those things, you know, and like in what time, how, just like it didn't make sense to me. But I think you bring up a good point. I think there's an element of privilege there, right? I had certain elements of privilege back home that made me capable of doing things like dancing and working you know through dance and going to school learning English since I was in kindergarten I had some of those elements of privilege coming here but I think that when I came here I just was exposed to another level of what privilege means and it took me some time but I think I accepted that you know it's okay if I don't have that it's okay if I come with nothing in my bank, actually negative because I have a huge student loan. It's okay if I came with a kid. And that means that my experience is different. And that means that I know a lot of people judge me because I had a kid this early in my life. But it just means that, you know, our experiences are different. You don't require those things to be happy. I think that that was my take after I digested when I met all these people and I like compared myself to others, which we all do. It's not great, but I think we all do it. That it's just, everyone has their own journey and it's okay. And it's okay if we don't have that privilege. We just have to find our path as an immigrant here.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not about like being best or better or worse. It's just, it's a different journey. And yeah, this is what matters. And another point that you touched that I really like is this, value your family and your friends as much as your career so i think this is a big thing i think maybe especially in our context working in tech i think we tend to value a lot our careers and where we work so i'm trying to prioritize other things as well now i think i'm like in this journey as well and another point that I really wanted to dive a little bit deeper and you started to mention already, but as immigrants, a lot of times, not only about ourselves, we have our partners and in some other cases, other family members with us as well. And we might need to help our other family members who are in our own country. So there's a lot of different ways that we feel connected and we help each other. So you talk about the importance of and value of a couple's teamwork to open more opportunities to our families. I would love to hear more about that. I think this is a very important topic that maybe we don't talk that much.
0: Yes. Yes. hundred percent. So as I mentioned, I, I met my husband in that first job that I had. So we've been together for a while. And the way I describe it is that my husband and I are a real tight team. Like I always say that if one day we had a business, we would kill it. We haven't done it because we need to figure out how to work with each other properly. But we are very tight and strong team. And the way we interact is that generally, you know, we come up with a vision and a plan for something, whether that's, hey, let's move to the United States or that's, hey, we need our daughter to learn math, whatever. It can be any level. But we are very good at sitting down and saying, here are the things that we want. And here is a path or multiple paths, because sometimes there's more than one path. achieve that thing whatever that thing is and then we break down the tasks we need to get there and we work very well together in order to do that so we always joke like that we use this hashtag like one team one dream thing because because that's just how we operate and i think to be honest like if i hadn't had that i don't think my experience in the united states would have been as good as it is now because we always rely on each other we're not alone when we have problems we tell each other, we give advice to each other, whether that's a work problem or a personal problem or anything that's happening. And I think that is kind of the fundamental thing that I know has made us what I would consider successful and and why we're happy where where we are right now. And as I mentioned, we do this every time we have a challenge, and that has kind of expanded to how do we think about raising our daughter here? What are the opportunities that we want to give her? Where do we need to live within the United States? to give her those opportunities. So we think about all these things probably on a weekly basis, because we know that where we are today is not maybe where we're going to stay. And as our lives develop and as our daughter develops, we need to figure out how can we give her with the resources that we have, you know, the best opportunities she can get. So for example, our daughter is into competitive dancing now. She's very young, but she really loves dancing. And this has like taking over our life. So now as we think about, okay, you know, tech is challenging. People are getting laid off. We don't know if we're going to have job security. If we need to move, we need to consider the dance environment as a parameter of where we're going next, because we need her to have a dance studio where she can thrive and she can continue to compete and she can continue to learn. So we think about all these little things when we think about just supporting not only ourselves, but also our family. And then it extends to our families back home, right? So my parents are back in Panama. His parents live in Guatemala. And although right now they don't need financial support from us, we are figuring out how to plan for that in the future because we don't know what's going to happen, right? So we are working on, okay, What is our plan for retirement? What is our plan pre-retirement that requires us to, you know, take care of our daughter, but potentially extend some support financially to other family members that might need it? So we take all that into consideration into how we like kind of plan our life. And as I said at the beginning, it's really about teamwork. It's really about sort of planning and making sure that, you know, we're going in the right direction and things have changed. You know, sometimes we do things or we plan things and they don't work out and that's okay. But at least I feel that we have a good system in place to, to help us achieve what we want.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I love to talk about that. I think it's something that maybe for older folks, it's different, right? But for a lot of folks from Latin America, it's not just about us, We have our extended family that by need financial help or emotional help as well. So it adds a lot of pressure on us as well. And I think it's a privilege. I think it's a privilege to be able to help the ones we love and for folks who maybe it doesn't come to them as natural. This is strategic and problem solving skills. You mentioned a point very, very interesting that uh, when maybe when you have a problem or when you have a goal to achieve, and I like to write down things on paper. I think people are different, but I truly believe in the power of paper. So maybe yes. you can write down your goal and try to think about the task, the tasks that you need to do to achieve that goal. So I think this is a, a very powerful way to start to strategize. It doesn't come natural for other folks. Yeah.
0: And and I think it, it took us some time, right? I think my husband was always the more strategic person in the relationship. He always has lived by frameworks. That's how he was like taught to live. I've learned that from him. But I think our combination of, you know, he can like scope out what we need to do to your point, put it on paper. And then I'm very much like heavy operational. How do we get there? Like, I know the things we need to do by when, with what resources, like just like our approach work. Basically, like we, that's why we make a good team because we complement each other.
1: Yeah. And it's important to know the strengths of yeah. each other. So it's not about comparing. It's about, oh, you are good in this thing. I'm good yes. in this other thing. Let's work together to achieve. And yeah, I love this idea. Another thing that I wanted to pick your brain is what advice would you give to someone who wants to pivot their career into product marketing? I think this is a very common. Things that people sometimes they, they like to explore, but they have no idea how to start. Yes.
0: So I think it depends on what you did before, right? So mm-hmm. I'll walk through maybe two use cases. One is maybe I am a marketer already. I worked in a consumer products company in Latin America, and I want to figure out how to get to marketing in tech, which is generally through product marketing, which is the most common role in tech. I would say that's the transition I see the most. And in that, I think what matters is that you figure out what are the translatable skills in your current role that you can bring to a product marketing role. And generally, a product marketing role has a few buckets, basically on like what you do or what you're expected to do. There's an idea of what we call research and insights. So how can you ground your decisions based on your knowledge of a user? And in any marketing role you do, You always try to understand who the user is, what they want, whether that's through data or interviews and not even in any marketing role. I would say, you know, you have your podcast. You're trying to understand who's listening to your podcast and how can you craft content that's relevant for them. That's a use case. Or I'm starting my own business. I'm not a marketer, but I want to figure out who can my audience be? And what do I sell to them? So there's always this idea rooted on how do I understand my customers and therefore drive value to them? That is core to the product marketing role. The second is this idea of strategy. And strategy is really what we talked about. It's define a goal. How do you measure success? How do you get there? And what are the things you need to get there, whether that's people, money, capabilities, etc. So in most jobs, you do some type of strategy. You just have to figure out how to properly craft that story. So you show that strategy component. And then the last two are this idea that you are able to take some of that and craft messaging for users. So selling something, marketing something, or even building a product for someone. And then the last would be making sure that you are doing this in a collaborative way, which is also something you do in most marketing jobs. So I mentioned four buckets. This idea of product marketing is really a role where you do marketing, but you sit close to a product organization because you're influencing a product out in the market, generally an app or some software device or sometimes some hardware device when you are here in tech, in the tech industry. So there are ways to translate that. It's just a matter of really going deep on what does this role need and what have I done so far and how can I tell that story? And it's totally feasible. Like most people that I see coming to product marketing, including me when I came to the States, didn't do product marketing back in our countries because that doesn't exist. The job just doesn't exist, right? So you have to figure out how to build those translatable skills. And I would say the second use case, which is, you know, you're not a marketer and you're trying to get into this role, I would say it's the same approach. Like you have to figure out these four buckets that I mentioned. What have you done that's translatable? And if you haven't done things yet that are completely, you know, very clearly translatable, I always advise people to do consulting gigs or figuring out how they can maybe help as a quote unquote intern, like unpaid intern to like gain the experience of those buckets so then it's much easier to sell themselves when they're applying for those jobs and having the right bullets in their resume, et cetera. So transitioning is always hard. Like it's not very straightforward, but I think the the beauty of a role like product marketing is that most of the things you do in product marketing, you have done in some shape or form in other jobs. It's just a matter of figuring out how to package it and make it relevant for the job that you're applying to.
1: Incredible. For folks who are listening to us, write all of this down and Follow this plan. I think those tips are incredible. Creating your narrative, kind of like trying to find a way to tell your story and what it makes you unique because we have a lot of different experiences and those are very valuable. And Sometimes it's more about how you tell your story and which company is going to value those skills. That can be very specific. I feel very inspired with a friend here.
0: I 100% agree. And, And the other thing you mentioned that's interesting is this idea that sometimes you come from an industry that is the client that this company that you're interviewing for is looking to sell to. And that adds a lot of value. So for example, I've seen a lot of people who maybe worked in the advertising space, like in an advertising agency before, and then they're trying to switch to product marketing. And the way to do that is through maybe applying to companies that are in the ad tech space, because the industry knowledge that you have Most people don't have. And sometimes I weigh that as valuable as like the skills that a product marketer should have, because it's very hard to learn the industry. Like I was in fintech for only 10 months and I can tell you it was a very tough challenge for me because I did not know the industry and learning everything that that industry requires, the technical terms, the policy requirements, like it's a lot of work. It comes with time. And I think if you have that in your back pocket, definitely you should use it. The other thing that I would say is that, well, right now the tech market, you know, is going through challenges and it's a little bit hard for folks who are trying to get jobs, but not impossible. And I will say that one of the things that I've noticed, too, is that while a company like maybe Google is a little bit more standard in their approach of who I want for a certain role, because I really want them to have done this you know, for five, 10 years before they come to my company. Startups, on the other hand, are much more open to different backgrounds and unique values that people can bring that are not necessarily written in the job rec. So Mm -hmm. I would also encourage people that are trying to do some type of career switching outside of product marketing even to consider joining startups because First, those companies, as I mentioned, are more flexible. And second, really in this market environment, startups are really thinking through how to power through this, right? A lot of the early stage startups are not overloaded with resources. They're trying to figure out how to grow in a lean way. So there's a lot of opportunity there. So I I would really encourage folks who are trying to get into this space to evaluate that as well. So there's more than big tech. That's what I'm trying to say. For sure. Not necessarily my point of view or approach a few years ago. But now that I've started to work in this startup environment, I realize that there's so much that people can do, but maybe they just don't know that these opportunities exist.
1: Love it. Really, really good tip. Which resource helped you in your journey?
0: Yeah, so I I really like reading about other people. So other people's careers or just other people's lives. So I do a lot of bio's. So um, the two recent ones that I've done are the bio of Indra Nooyi, who was a CEO of Pepsi and Michelle Obama. And I try to read bios of what I consider strong women, because I think it's very inspiring for me. I can see a side of them that maybe it's not what's portrayed in the news, which is mostly about their business self. There's a lot of their personal careers, their family. How do they balance that? Because I have a hard time family, you know, balancing family and work. So I always get inspired by this. So those are things that I would highly recommend. Sometimes just reading or like getting to know about others is inspiring in its own way and like sparks something on you that maybe you haven't thought before. I also listen to a lot of marketing related podcasts because it helps me just understand how others in the industry are thinking about problems. So one is CMO Moves, for example, where they interview a bunch of CMOs across the industry and like what their journey has been and what challenges they faced And most of them are not even in technology, but I think that just gives me like a good overview of the type of problems that people face and how different types of businesses and industries are facing them in the marketing field. And then one thing that I'm actively improving on, because I have not been great at this since I left business school, but my husband reads a lot. Like he has a lot of business books and they are here at my house all the time. And now that I am in a startup and not at Google, where you had so many internal resources to teach you how to do your job, I often find myself in situations where like, I don't really know how to do this, or I don't really know how to solve this problem. And it's a very hairy and meaty problem. And a lot of the books that I have at home are business books that have frameworks on how to approach a problem. So I've been relying a lot on these different books and therefore startups, marketing, business, product strategy, growth, marketing, a lot of these areas that sometimes I touch directly and sometimes I touch indirectly, but these books just give me tools that I think I need in order to continue to grow and evolve. Because obviously, as you start growing in your career, there are things that you don't know how to do. And either you find education that you know teaches you how to do it, or you talk to others that can give you guidance. So I try to do a mix of both. So I'm slowly improving in that because I know I have the library at home. I just have to find the space and the time and energy to do it.
1: Incredible! Yeah, thank you so much. We are getting to the end of the episode. I learned a lot. I love to get to know more about you, and you gave very, very important tips and advice for folks. Well, now just transition into tech, and I think like this is strategic and problem solving mindset, it's, it's very, very important. And I understand that sometimes it doesn't come naturally for uh, some folks. So I love all the frameworks you share. And I will leave the last minutes for you to share anything you want to share and where people can find you.
0: Yes. So again, thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited about this and sharing my story and just the work that you are doing. Like I love, as I mentioned, listening to other people's stories. And I love that you are focusing on the Latinx community and sharing our journeys, wherever we came from and wherever we're going. I think it's super powerful. And I love that you're doing this. And I wish I could see even more of this out there because it's definitely, you know, reading about people that I feel connected to, whether I know them or not, is really powerful. And it makes me feel that I can achieve more things in my life and makes me feel inspired. So first of all, thank you for that. As I mentioned, you know, I know it's a tough job market. And for folks that might be listening to this and are trying to get jobs right now, again, highly recommend exploring startups. There's a lot of opportunities out there. Maybe it's a little bit out of your comfort zone, but what I am learning right now in a startup is probably more than what I have learned in the last six years. And it's really powerful and Yes, it sometimes feels uncomfortable. Sometimes I don't know the answers, but the fact that I am exposed to these things and I can learn so quickly, I think it's just a really good skill set to have and can help you in your career. So, highly recommend that. And, and yeah, you know, I, LinkedIn is the best way to reach me. I also have Instagram. It's my name and last name, if if you care to follow me. But most of that is just pictures of my kid. I think LinkedIn is more interesting. So if anyone wants to reach out, chat, just hop on a call. I'm happy to do that. So um, you can find me again through my first and last name, Valerie Angelcos. Awesome.